I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm here with Joey Knight, and we are uh, wrapping up um, the Bucks win 30-17 over the Atlanta Falcons at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And Joey, this this is a game I I expected the Bucks to win and win probably by a score like this, um, but it didn't unfold that way. Um, in, in, in as much as it was a close game at halftime because of a mistake, we'll talk about with Tom Brady. The interesting thing to me tonight um, was that the Bucks put the ball in the air as much as they did. Uh, they've been a team that's been relying on Leonard Fournette running the football, uh, throwing him the football. And in this game, Tom Brady launched it 51 times, and he, he passed for 368 yards and four touchdowns, the one interception I mentioned before halftime. But, you know, Chris Godwin sets a record with 15 receptions uh, in the game for 143 yards. Rob Gronkowski um, was great again with two touchdowns. I, I don't know. I, I guess they were confident to protect Brady. He wasn't sacked, but they they kind of showed that not only are they taking care of business on the road, but they can win a lot of different ways, and I think that's what really good teams do. Yeah, and, and a lot of those passes, Rick, were kind of glorified runs, if you think about it. There weren't any really deep downfield shots. Chris Godwin was a recipient today, as you said, 15 catches. His longest was 36 yards. Playoff Lenny got involved again. He had seven catches. So, again, there, there were some shots. The, the fade pass to, to Gronk, we've seen that a million times over the last decade plus. It was really beautiful. That 11-yard pass, I believe, is in the third quarter. And he had a shot over the middle to, to Gronk for the other touchdown. I believe that went for 27 yards. But, it, you know, it's just efficiency in a different way, I guess you could say. They're, you know, again, it's just kind of like a – a glorified running game. You, you check down or, or you just go th- for the short throw and you let those guys who are athletes just do their thing in space. And just today, this afternoon, you know, Chris Godwin was a recipient of that. Yeah, he was. And and I think that, uh, you know, Godwin's one of those players, you know, he's 25 years old. He's their franchise player. Um, they didn't reach a long-term contract with them. If you look into the future, of course, the NFL just announced they're going to have a lot more money in the salary cap next year. That's certainly going to help the Bucks re-sign some of their players. We're going to have a lot of free agents. But he's an indispensable part of this offense. It, it, you know, As much as I love Mike Evans, and I think he's on his way to a Hall of Fame career by now, um, and, and somebody you never want to play without, and Mike, Mike rarely comes out of games, but Chris Godwin does so much in the run game does so much that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, gets the grimy catches, right, in that slot receiver. He's always in the middle of the field. He's getting pinballed, as he said, after he catches the ball. A lot of those tunnel screens and things like that. I I think he's, you know, one of their top two or three most viable players on that side of the ball. And he just reminded everybody of, you know, how he can step up. Uh, and he's going he's gonna to set the franchise record for receptions. Um which was held by Keyshawn Johnson since since like two thousand and one of one hundred and six. He he just 
he just shows you that um, this is a deep team that even without Antonio Brown, um, you know, between him, Gronk, and Mike Evans, that's really enough for Tom Brady to operate. And Leonard Fournette, of course. And Leonard Fournette. I was going to throw that in there. There, There is enough there still for them to make a run. And, you, you know, you talk about Chris Godwin, just so impressive. And you laid it out, Rick, just the other things he does. And you can say Gronk has rubbed off on him, but Chris Godwin was doing this, making the, the dirty plays, the blocks, the thankless stuff. You know, that precedes Gronk's arrival here. So, yeah, you know, you, you talk about indispensable guys, and you've got that nucleus going forward, Godwin. Evans, Gronk, Fournette, I I do agree. I think that's enough to get it done regardless of how the Antonio Brown saga plays out. And let's segue just real quick from the indispensable to the dispensable. You know, look at the tight end output today, Rick, and it wasn't a huge storyline in this game, but Rob Gronkowski, four catches, 58 yards, two touchdowns. Cameron Brait was targeted once. It was a three-yard touchdown catch. O.J. Howard, zero targets. Zero targets, and, and the problem, and, and I've got, and you do too, have one guy that continues to email us, thank you about that, for an O.J. Howard. I don't know if he's an Auburn fan or what the deal is. Look, I mean, a, a couple things about O.J. Howard. Let's start with the fact that he's playing behind a Hall of Fame tight end who surprises me with the rib injuries he had, with the games he's missed, with the career he's had, the number of surgeries that he not only has come back from that this year, but is now playing like the Rob Gronkowski in New England. I mean, you know, beating guys on fade routes, um, the blocking that he does. This team is a two-wide receiver, one tight end, one running back team. And so when you do play two tight ends on those rare occasions, it's not going to be OJ. It's going to be Cam Brate because I think Tom Brady trusts him and trusts his hands, trusts him as a receiver more than he does OJ, who's more of an all-around tight end. I don't think it means that O.J. Howard's a bad player. Hell, how many teams would he be not only the starter, but maybe even featured uh, as a tight end? Um, he has some of those skills. He's also coming off a, 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 you know, an Achilles injury that cost him an entire offseason. I mean, he didn't do anything football-related until well into training camp because it took him that long to try to build up that calf muscle and, and, and recover from that surgery. So, yeah, he, he is just another piece that's there if Braid, or if Gronkowski were to go down as he as he has, um, but it's clear that you know Brady's clairvoyance, as you call it, with Rob Gronkowski is just something to behold. I mean, we've seen this from a distance in New England. When you watch it, game in and game out, it's really something. I I think that Gronkowski has given them a spark at a time in the season where they really needed it, um, particularly in Indianapolis. Uh, you saw it. Uh, you know, the game before that that they won at home. Um, and then to, today, I mean, he's spitting out 100-yard games now. Um, and if not, like every time he scores a touchdown, there's usually two. And, and with A.B. gone, that's the dimension, that's the whole key to them going forward. If you've got Gronk, who does what he does, who can just, you know, make plays and get off blocks at the line of scrimmage and then get open and for those kind of touchdowns, that's the, that's the element could carry them, you know, to the Super Bowl again if all else is equal. If Godwin and Evans and Fournette stay healthy, you know, if you it, while we're on the subject of tight ends, you know, this is a good a segue as any. Go over to the other side. Former Gators All-American Kyle Pitts. Pitts, you know, when the Falcons made their little surge in mid-October, they kind of got 
things in order, Pitts had two monster games. He had like 16 catches on 18 targets for 200-something yards over a two-game stretch. They won them both. He hasn't done that much since, and you're going to have hiccups when you're a rookie. Teams are going to get you on film. They're going to adjust to you, see what you do, and try to take you out of the game, and the Bucks did that today. Kyle had a couple nice little catches in the first half, but he only had four catches on the day, none after halftime. So that's, that's a half dozen games now in a row where he's just really had some pretty pedestrian numbers, and that was just one component of a really what I thought was a really good second-half defensive effort. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know after the game talking to the players that, that they did not allow any points. It was 17 points is what they allowed in the first half, zero in the second half. Um, it helped that the Bucks got surged to a little bit of a lead, made them throw the ball. Kyle Pitts, you know, I think teams, and, and I know the Bucks did this today, they're not trying to match him up with any linebackers or safeties. They're saying, you're a wide receiver. We've got to put a cover guy. And, and fortunately, I think the Bucks had one that came back today in Carlton Davis who is long, who is athletic, and who is fast enough to at least, you know, create some, um, you know, defense against a guy like Kyle Pitts that that is a, a very tough guy to match up with. So Carlton Davis, his first game back, he ends up picking up a fumble, um, but they got more injuries to the secondary again. And I'm telling you, um, I think what I, what, you know, watching Atlanta run for 101 yards in the first half, which no team has done this year, really in three years, I think they really missed Jordan Whitehead. And now they might have Jamel Dean that's hurt as well. Yeah, the I've never seen a, a, a unit snake bitten as bad as as this cornerback room is. Jamel Dean goes out early in the second half with obviously a concussion, and then we saw it. We're standing in the tunnel waiting for the game to end to do our interviews, Rick, and we saw Sean Murphy Bunning go down just in the waning seconds, and we don't know what his situation is. A uh, play or two later, William Golston goes down with an injury. He's limping out. We saw him limp out. We don't know what his situation is, but you know, on this day, I don't, I don't think it'll been, you know, will help them much going forward. But on this day, the, the veterans came in and and that you know they helped salvage things. Pierre Desir came in for Jamel Dean, forced a fumble on his first or second play in the game, and Arian said he he made he made a, a valid point. He said we can plug in because we have veterans behind these guys. Pierre Desir is a veteran. Andrew Adams played for him in the NFC title game. Um, last year. Dee Delaney has played some football. So these guys, they're bringing up from the practice squad and that they're adding to the roster with all these injuries, they're veterans. But I don't know if I'd count on them, you know, over the final five-game stretch and then going into the playoffs. So, you know, hopefully, you know, later today, Monday, we'll we'll get an update on, on Murphy Bunning and an update on Dean. You know, I'm sure he'll have to go to the protocol, but you know, they're back to one healthy opening night cornerback, and that's Carlton Davis, who had a pretty good game today. Yeah, and it's certainly been a, a story to follow all year. I thought that, um, you know, the Falcons showed a weakness that we haven't seen from the Bucks, and that's run defense. Cordero Patterson ripped off a 39-yard run. I mentioned the 101 yards or so in the first half. Um, they They managed to shut it down. I mean, I give them credit for making whatever adjustments, but apparently – Todd Bowles got loud at halftime. Uh, we talked to Carlton Davis who said, look, I was getting an IV, but I could hear him screaming at those other guys that this is not our standard. So it seems like every week somebody has some speech, some fire, 
and then they make the adjustment, and they did play better defense in the second half. There's no question about that. Yeah, that's two weeks, two halftime diatribes at playoff. You wrote about playoff Lenny last week, really giving an impassioned speech at Indianapolis, and the Bucks responded, and they responded to Bowles. You know, that first – you alluded to that first – Atlanta touchdown drive, their first drive of the game, they had 63 rushing yards. And Corderell Patterson, who's a force of nature, he had that 39-yard run. So 63 yards just like that right out of the box on the ground. And they had 58 for the rest of the game. So I I think they set the edge a little better. Uh, I think they got a little more gap sound. Uh, Bruce Arians and Damakong Su and those guys just talk about run fits. And and it worked. And when everybody's doing their job, you know, playing complimentary football, like they love to say, it's going to free you up to do some things. And we saw how it freed up guys like Sue and Vita Vea to get to the quarterback. You know, when when they were able to pin their ears back a little bit, the Bucks shut down the run. And then Matt Ryan, 36 years old, who's never known for his mobility, he has to drop back and pass a little bit. And he got sacked five times. Vita had two. Sue had to. So, you know, when, when all, you know, cylinders were firing, you, you saw, you know, an ensemble effort. But it started by just making the adjustments in the run game. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot to shut down Corderell Patterson. And after that opening drive, well, really after about the first, first 20 minutes of the game, the, the Falcons' run game was non-existent. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And yet they're still part of this defense. I think it's health. I think it's the lack of health, the lack of continuity that still would scare me against a really good team. Matt Ryan, you know where he's going to be. And, in fact, four of the five sacks came from inside. And Damakon Sue had two. Vita Vea had two. So guys right at his feet. Um, Next week's a different story. I mean, they play next Sunday the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, who is not only mobile but can make huge plays in the passing game and with his feet when he gets outside the pocket. And in teams in the running game, I think, are trying to make those big guys move laterally. They're trying to let the little guys, the corners and the safeties, come up, set the edge, make tackles while tiring out. That's a philosophy that you see a lot in the league, trying to tire out uh, those big defensive linemen, make them substitute, uh, stay on the field, move the chains. And the Falcons were very good on third down. Uh, and, I, and and they even uh, made, managed to convert a few third and longs, which has been a, sort of a problem the last two weeks uh, for the Bucks. So there's a lot more that they that they need to get done on defense that they just simply haven't done. Um, but look, here we are for all their angst, for all the road woes, for all the injuries. This is a football team that's a veteran team. We're into December, and, and all week long, Bruce Arians talked about December football, guys. It's December football. We have to play well enough to win playoff games in a few weeks. We're not there. Um, but they've started to get that glint a little bit in their eye and play complimentary football. No turnovers except for the egregious pass for the touchdown that we can talk about. I, I couldn't believe he threw it, 
I couldn't believe they attempted to go for it. Joey, late in the first half, they're up by 10. And they got the ball at the 8-yard line. And they've run one play and called timeout. There's one timeout left. I don't know where they thought they were going to move the ball to with 22 seconds left. But you talk about, I mean, that was like a Joe Theismann to Jack Squirek-like throw um, you know, that resulted in a pick six. And all of a sudden, you're in a dogfight with a three-point game. Um, Tom Brady usually doesn't make that throw. And Bruce Arians seemed to have a bigger problem with the call in general. Yeah, he said it was poor call, poor execution. That was his comment verbatim. Poor call, poor execution. I think it was kind of a lazy throw by Tom, to be quite honest with you. And for that split second, the planets aligned for Marlon Davidson, the big, the Falcons' big guy who's, who's second-year guy out of Auburn, who has not had a very sparkling pro career so far. But, you know, he, he sniffed it out. He, he was there. And, again, I think it was a lazy throw by Tom. Fournette had his had his helmet turned to the play. He was expecting it. It's not like he caught you know Fournette off guard. He he was expecting the little swing pass, and Marlon Davidson was right there. And all of a sudden, it's twenty to seventeen, and going into the locker room, and the Falcons took the opening kickoff for the second halves. And I I think a big key to that game was them shutting shutting Atlanta down. The opening drive of the second half kind of quashing that momentum. Otherwise, you know. Who knows, you know, what the trajectory of this game would have taken. But, yeah, just, I mean, Tom Brady's human. And we saw it right there late, late in the second half. Sometimes I wonder, but he is still human. I think it was just a lazy throw. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and, and you know, probably a bad decision to try to make something out of nothing in that situation. I think maybe Bruce Arians will even be a little more conservative with his no risk it, no biscuit at the eight-yard line with 22 seconds and one timeout left. All right, so... Look, this team loves to play at home. Um, the Buffalo Bills have sort of had a teeter-totter type season. Um, they were picked to win the AFC. They were in the AFC Championship a year ago. The AFC is suddenly controlled by the Patriots, and as we do this podcast, that is going to be uh, the Monday night game, I believe, um, tonight uh, against those two teams, so we'll see how that turns out. That actually works in the Bucks' favor. The Bills have to play uh, a Monday night game, short week of preparation, and then travel to Tampa Bay. Um, but this is a step up in class in a sense, right? Um, because this is a playoff team. This is a conference championship team with an elite quarterback and some elite receivers, a good defense, a good coaching staff. Um, and, and, and yet, if the Bucks win and get a little bit of help from the Falcons or a little bit of help from the Jets and those two things align, if they win the game, they could clinch an NFC South title um, with still a bunch of games to play and assure themselves of a home playoff game. That's critical. At 9-3, and three, they're still very much in the hunt for the top seed. Um, that's possible as well. So there's a lot riding on, on the line, but these next two games, both at Raymond James, where they haven't lost in over a year, um, you know, against the Bills and then the Saints, to me, this is going to tell us whether this Bucks team has a chance to be as good as last year's. Yeah, this is um, this is critical. Like you said, the Bills and then the Saints on Sunday night. Um, I, I think I think you know if the weather report holds out, a little benefit for the Bucks. I think it's going to be a little warmer next week yes. against this team from Buffalo. And you mentioned it, you know, the, the Bills have to play a, not only a Monday night game, but a physical Monday night game. So they've come down here on a short week. And um, when is the last time we've ever said 
The Bucks have a four-game lead in the first week of December in their division. How about never? So nine and three can become ten and three in just a in just a week's time. And you know this this is unprecedented. We're in unprecedented terrain, Rick. Ten and three, a chance to close out your division well before Christmas. How about that? That's pretty amazing. And yet, because of what Green Bay is doing. Uh, because of their division, uh, not being one that's really going to threaten the Packers. The Cardinals continue to win. Kyler Murray came back. They won again on Sunday. So they're still trailing a couple of teams for the number one seed. They could have to go on the road at least for a championship game um, right now. They don't have the top seed, so they have to keep winning. You may have to win 14 games, uh, 13 games for sure, um, to secure that number one seed. And, you know, we, we don't know how that's all going to play out. So these next two weeks are going to be huge. Before we go, uh, we have just a few minutes. We're going to cut this a little bit short. Um, but we watched a lot of college football on Saturday. And I just wanted to ask you uh, about uh, a conference that you're well familiar with. The American Athletic gets a team in Cincinnati, um, you know, to, to make the Final Four, to make the championship uh, undefeated team and one that looked for all the world like they might be supplanted if certain things didn't align right. But here they are. Uh, they beat a pretty good Houston team, beat them fairly handily. And what does that say about the American Athletic Conference? How big is this? There was once a, a, a team in Central Florida that claimed itself a national champion. Now they don't have to wonder whether Cincinnati can actually pull this off. Yeah, I think it's very validating for the American Athletic Conference. I'm happy for Cincinnati. I'm happy for the commissioner, Mike Oresco, who has trumpeted his conference as kind of the sixth power conference. And we can debate about that till the cows come home. But it is validating. And the biggest thing about it is Cincinnati deserves this. They're undefeated. They've got that win against Notre Dame. They beat Houston, a one-loss Houston team, handily on Saturday in the the conference title game. They've got a veteran team, a talented team. They every bit deserve to be in this playoff conversation, and it makes things a little more interesting this January. And You know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say we, we, we kind of ridicule that 2017 UCF team for proclaiming itself as a national champion, but they set the groundwork for this. They got people. They got the nation's attention. Hey, look at this group of five conference. Look at this team coming from somewhere called the American Athletic Conference. They kind of they set the precedent here because you, you remember four years ago they were clamoring for you know uh, to get into that playoff, and I, I think they had a legitimate case. And I, I think that UCF team beats this Cincinnati team. I think Mackenzie Milton was incredible that year, and they had Shaquem Griffin on defense who just willed his team to a couple of wins. I really like that UCF team, but they kind of set the groundwork for what we're seeing this year, and that's Cincinnati getting to the playoff table. Although Cincinnati at the time, or recently, had a defensive coordinator that shut down that Central Florida team not long after that. He's now the head coach at Notre Dame. Isn't that something? What a a story that that – Marcus Freeman, right, which has been something. All right, well, we're uh, going to leave uh, the confines here of uh, Mercedes – Ben Stadium because they're chasing us out. I think we're literally the only two ones here. Um, we'll have a lot for you tomorrow with Bruce Arians when he uh, does his press conference around 1230. Check us out on TampaBay.com and the Tampa Bay Times, of course, for all the coverage of the game and everything else that's going on uh, with the Bucks. For Joey Knight, Steve Versnick, our producer, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great night, everybody. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.